the, the beginning of a new day. I used to, in my retreats, always start with this, is to establish this sense of beginning, this is of starting anew. Because uh, mentally we can <coughs> not notice, we can come into the meditation hall with yesterday's memories and the attitude of being a historical person that has all kinds of unresolved issues from the past and that we've got to do something about to resolve them in the future so that this uh, that's a beginning anew each day and there's a uh, there's a reflection I've used like I mean it's each moment really but that because of the time the early morning it's like beginning a new uh, a new day <coughs> not carrying a, a burden from the past into the into this present moment into this day a sense of of relief of uh, I find this uh, reflection that gives me a sense of relief you know, because the the uh, ability to remember our retentive memory is so strong, so developed that uh, we can carry lifetimes memories with us in the, in the moments of our lives and miss out on the here and now blindness to the, the way it is the reality of this moment as we you know hold on to things from the past through, through our ability to remember. Just like being a new person every, every day or at every moment, not the, the way we perceive ourselves as a personality, isn't it, is, is conditioned and assumed. And it's, it's all memory, what you think you are, the perceptions that you have about yourself as a personality is, is just memory in the present. It's a memory. <clears throat> So then if you think of yourself as just a memory, then uh, you see it's very ephemeral. Memories are, you know, they don't have any real substance to them. When you really look at memory from the Buddha position, from the awareness, you know, trying to, to sustain a memory, try to keep it, as a continuous experience, it's, it's impossible, isn't it? But yet, we can assume we are this memory as a kind of ongoing identity, you know, whether you awake or asleep or in the temple or in, the, in your room or whatever. We assume, well, I am Ajahn Tomato under all conditions. That's an assumption, and that's a memory too, isn't it? It's just a, a way we have of <clears throat> clinging to a memory. I am Ajahn Tomato when I'm asleep, when I'm with people, when I'm alone. 
But then in, with uh, awareness, sati sampachanya, you know, aware of the memory, because awareness isn't the memory. That's why trying to, to be aware is a hopeless task. You know, holding on to the idea of awareness uh, and then trying to uh, be someone who is aware and defeat the whole thing. <laughs> That's why it's a different, different thing, isn't it, than, than remembering and trying to become and, and become a mindful person and a mindful monk or nun and a mindful meditator. That's a, that's a memory. But the immediacy, you know, the awakened awareness, that's what I call an imminent act. It's, just, it's like it's immediate, it's here and now, instant. It has nothing to do with memory. Except if you have some idea about mindfulness, and then that's a memory. So then you're trying to 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 become mindful, and then that's you you know that is, uh, and then you do things in a way to become mindful. You've, you've got a whole kind of idea, a plan of what you should be and how you should practice and what mindfulness is. That's all memory. It's just sanya. <clears throat> this is why I keep saying trust, you know, in this, in just the, the immediacy, just an innate ability. It's natural. It's not a developed capacity. It's not, it's not some high attainment that you have to work hard to get or achieve. It's a natural state of being. The very basis. Which you, which you forget about by clinging to memories about yourself as someone who has to do something in order to attain something. So just, just, it's a, you know, like reflecting on what you think you are as a person. It's not an attack on personality either. And it's not, it's, there's no kind of condemnation of sanya sankara, vedana sanya sankara. It's not a, it's not a dismissal or a, or a, saying you shouldn't have any personality. But it's being able to trust in the natural ability we have as human entities that is not culturally conditioned, not a not something we, we achieve or attain, but because of our identity with with ideas, with memories, with concepts, with images, then we we that very identity uh, if we're not aware of it, then we we uh, limit ourselves to those particular conditions. I always like to to put the desire to achieve and attain as bhavadanha, you know, the second noble truth, the causes of suffering are the clinging. The it's not the the five khandas are not the causes of suffering. You know, so it's not 
it, that's not, it's not stated, it's very clearly stated. Panchupatana Kanda is a five, the five, clinging to five, the five Kandas out of ignorance is a cause. These five khandas are like uh, one one translation I read years ago is called the five heaps, and I thought that was a rather amusing term uh, because a heap is a, just a, you know doesn't have any order to it, does it? If you put things in a heap, you just kind of fling it into that heap, and it piles up. You know, and it's not like a a well ordered. Uh, filing system uh, where everything's neatly you know labeled and and uh, placed in its proper compartment but it's like just five heaps of dung or whatever <laughs> five heaps and uh, and so it's like in in vipassana this sense of I used to use that like that word heap because I can see that that's what, you know, the simplification, you know, the complexity of the conditioned realm so is so ongoingly complicated and, and endless in its infinite varieties to try to sort it all out on the level of, of uh, you know, filing it away, putting it in its proper compartment from A to Z. Uh, you know, getting it on the internet and, and, you know, really, really making order out of chaos seemed to be an endless task. Where this, uh, five khandas was just simplifying everything, five heaps rather than a million heaps. And I was, uh, number five is a pretty easy number for us to perceive, you know. Uh, when, it, when it gets more than five, it gets increasingly more complicated. Or you can just do a namarupa will do, you know, or six ayatana. These are expedient method means that the Buddha used for teaching, just to put things in a way that we, the perspective is possible for us with the limitation of the human uh, conscious experience. Now, then you talk about, you know, I remember a millionaire in when I was young, that was the ultimate goal for American Americans you know, to become a millionaire, and uh, that just meant lots of money to me. And then uh, now, a million isn't very much. You have billionaires, multi-billionaires. Billion is a is a perception. You know, just you know, it just means a lot more than I could possibly need. You know. In my life, you know, a billion pounds, sixty billion pound millionaire, billionaire. <clears throat> so, just noting how these perceptions work on on uh, as conscious experience, we're getting into millions, billions now in terms of uh, financial attainment or achievement. But five is, uh, you know, five fingers, one, two, three, four, five, five heaps. Memory in the heap, I put always in the heap of sanya. So it, it isn't a dismissal of memory like, like, 
like it's uh, you know I've got I don't want to remember I want to lose my memory that's not it at all memory is a is a wonderful function of the mind you know it's a, it's necessary for survival and and even a personality you know personality is fine there's nothing trying to get rid of I don't want to be a personality anymore like Ajahn Rimalo was saying yesterday the idea of trying to make yourself into a non-person or a kind of totally bland no person you know the idea of an arahant is just some some human being who has completely has no personality whatsoever and that's another memory isn't it that's a perception we create out of the idea of an arahant <clears throat> but even in the scriptures you notice the Pali canon, they also, the enlightened ones, the Arahants, still had, you know, if they were tended to be crabby curmudgeons, they, even after Arahantship, they still tend to manifest like that. <laughs> it's uh, not, you, you attain some kind of saint-like, radiant personality that's all loving and, and just, uh, you know, ideally perfect but the the five khandas then they're no longer an identity you know so personality we no longer need we're no longer clinging to it operating from personal position but personality still manifests so that's why, you know, Lumpur Cha was like this. And I remember when Ajahn uh, Lumpur Liam became the Jawa Wat, the abbot of Wat Pa Pong. <coughs> and that was ten years before Lumpur Cha died, you know, in, when they were nursing, taking care of Ajahn Char. People compare Ajahn Liam as a personality to Ajahn Chah, as Ajahn Chah used to be. Uh, Ajahn Chah was personality plus. You know, he was a ebullient kind of character and charisma, you know, oozed charisma. And so he's a kind of personality wise that is a manifested was a kind of ebullient, meta, uh, charming, charismatic personality he had. And Lumpur Liam, different personality manifested. He was a very kind of, he was an ebullient kind of type personality. Very kind of, seemed remote and quiet and the people then would would get very upset because they and and be critical of Ajahn Liam <coughs> you know, you're just comparing personalities or Lung Tabu I remember uh, my experiences with Ajahn Mahabu were always this, this kind of sourpuss complaining type <laughs> I remember going to pay respect to Ajahn Mahabu and he spent the whole time complaining to me about too many people coming to the monastery and <laughs> Uh, at that time, Wat Pantan, his monastery, the Udorn, is out in the sticks. And uh, it used to be quite difficult to get to. And uh, and he liked that, you know. Didn't want anybody to come. And, and as he became more famous and people started coming, and now you can, you know, coaches packed every day 
This is, uh, I think, the comic result of complaining. <laughs> used to say at Wapantam, we only want 18 monks, that's the limit. You know, that's 18 monks, that's the most. We, we that, Then it doesn't work anymore. It's, the monastery is no good. Now it's over 50 or you know, 67. <laughs> So this is, and so we can say who's, you know, who has attained and who hasn't, who is an arahant and who is not. This is, this is a speculation, isn't it? Of maybe, maybe one personality fits our perception of what an arahant should be. Maybe the Lumpur Cha style. But then some people not know. Maybe the Lumpur Liam, he's, he's more kind of, Subdued and <clears throat> well, this you you know this. Why speculate about it? Just notice in in the in the here and now. Personality is like this. It's a it manifests its according to conditions. So when you, when, when as aware, as, the, as, as awareness, then you, you can see how you're changing all the time on your personal, the way you personally are, and the way you manifest as a personality. I remember we used to have this idea when I was young, you know, that you should be the same person all the time, that you were a hypocrite if you didn't, you know, that you had to be really honest and and uh, not try to, you know, you know, be the same person with your, with your mother and father, with your best friend, with your enemies, with uh, your teachers, strangers, that you should manifest always as the same person, personality under all conditions. This is an ideal, isn't it? That's an ideal of wanting to stabilize this personality and and, and hold to it so that you know because you you know you you know you feel maybe hypocritical. You go to university, <coughs> and you and this is from my experience. Went off to the university and then. <coughs> And, you know, get away from the parents and the pressures of uh, my family life into this newfound freedom, university student life. And you could kind of let go and be yourself and didn't have the controlling mechanisms hovering over you all the time of parents. Uh, This is freedom and so forth. And then you go home and then you, you suddenly find yourself back into the you know, <laughs> the role. And then you, I should be the same when I'm with my student friends as when, I, when I'm with my parents. And so I tried doing that. Didn't work. <laughs> so then with awareness, then you see the conditions are different. You're looking at the way things are, not not through ideals, but through the way it is. It's like this. The conditions that arise in the present, they're like a morning puja. The conditions are like this. It's, uh, you know, it's not a time to to uh, chat and and uh, tell jokes and have a good time as a social experience. Uh, Puja is like this. The conditions are like this. Uh, 
and it's not a criticism of the pujas or of, or thinking it should be different, but just noting the the way for me the morning puja <coughs> is a is a is the way I like to begin the day. You know, so it's a kind of composing the mind, kind of recollecting and resting state of just uh, awareness. And then everybody comes and we're all, you know, this is, the conditions are supportive for that kind of activity. So this letting go is this insight into the second noble truth of letting go of the five khandhas. And then of course the, uh, whenever I say this people immediately, so many people assume that I'm rejecting the five khandhas, like letting go is rejection or annihilation. <clears throat> so I put it in terms of relaxation. You know, you're holding to the five kind of tight fist, you know, tension, and uh, all the the kind of uh, you know out of just not 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 being able to relax to be yourself in the present. You you've got an agenda. You've got an axe to grind. You've got something to do. You've got. You've got something to get rid of. You've got to get rid of your defilement. And you've got to uh, attain and achieve, become. <clears throat> or this letting go. Pahana, isn't it? I mean, Pali, it's, it's, it's letting something be. It has no, it's not a, a rejection or a denial. So this sense of letting the, if the personality is the way it is in the present, whatever you're feeling, physically or mentally, emotionally, allowing it to be is letting go of it. <clears throat> when you don't let go, then you're always doing something with it, making judgments about it. You know, trying to get, make it better or get rid of a mental state you don't like, or you feel you shouldn't have, you shouldn't feel like this. So then, the, then we're back into the <clears throat> grasping the three kinds of desire. <clears throat> well, there's a, this compulsive, obsessive tends always trying to get, to, to make things better. To achieve and attain, to get to clean up, get rid of. And of course, in scriptural language, they, they, they remember language is is a, a limited function of the mind. It's dualistic, so it that's that's where you can't, you know, seeing things as they are is not a matter of memory or of words. This is what we mean by sati sampachanya. It's a the natural intelligence, a knowing that isn't isn't created through through knowing all about Buddhism or knowing all about yourself as a personality. So, you know, there's a very strong tendency to want to figure it all out. And uh, 
and this this Bawadana Vipudana is very strong there in uh, modern life. The societies are definitely a Bawa Dunha society that we live in. <coughs> that may always, you know, Bawa Dunha Vipudana. We think it's Gama Dunha, but you notice it's really it's the 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 thing is really trying to always become, attain, achieve, get rid of, annihilate, eradicate. <clears throat> so, say the letting go and putting down is an act of relaxation. Now, just like you're relaxing. You're not getting rid of anything. <clears throat> you're not, but you're not creating the tensions of, that come through grasping the desire to achieve or to get rid of anything. that a lot. That was one of the big insight I had when I was a Samanera. I mean, when I started, people asking me to teach, I, but then I noticed it went into a lot of Whippawadunha with people. They're always trying to get rid of things. Got to let go of my greed. I've got to let go of my anger. Got to let, you know, they, but this would mean to them like getting rid of it. <clears throat> Then they, they'd complain, your system doesn't work, Ajahn Sumedho. It just makes me more tense, you know. I try to let go of everything, but it doesn't work. <laughs> In fact, I'm getting more angry than I used to be. I'm trying to let go of anger, but I'm getting more angry. <clears throat> So this is, I used to feel so frustrated when they'd say that. You know? <laughs> <clears throat> because people I hear know can only hear what they're receptive to. And <clears throat> and I, that wasn't what I was saying, you know. that you get rid of anger <clears throat> or greed, lust, get rid of fear, get rid of jealousy, get rid of desire. It's not like getting rid of desire, it's let, letting desire be desire. As soon as you, you want to get rid of it, then it, it becomes bawadanha or vipawadanha. So, like, desire to get rid of desire is vipawadanha. <laughs> you can't win on that level. It just gets more hopeless, really, because of the idea that one is attached to the memories. Remember that the Dhamma that we learn from the books is memory. All of it is memory. Sanya. Five khandas is sanya, you know, when you, uh, six ayatanas, nama rupa, paticca samupada, four noble truths. It's all sanya. <clears throat> so if you just grasp the sanya, you know, the bariati dhamma, you know, you, you, you'll be disappointed with it because it, I mean, you can, you can get you know, it is inspiring. 
you know, so you can get inspired with Dhamma teaching. <clears throat> but then you can't sustain it. Inspiration isn't sustainable ex- uh, mental experience. So then it goes, it reverses, you know, you're going to get, after a while you can't stand it. Because it, it go, you know, when conditioned phenomena work like that, they arise, reach a peak, and then they degenerate and cease. Inspiration is, you know, is a is a pleasing. I mean, I like I like to be inspired and excited by things and top of the world, peak experience. You know, it's a thoroughly enjoyable but can you sustain it <clears throat> or does it sustain it can't sustain itself you have to keep working hard to keep that level of inspiration intact and so you can, it's a kind of hard work to just live on on inspiration so that this awareness it's not, it's not, you know, it's not an inspired state, it's natural, it's the kind of basis for everything. Where the, the, the door to the death, the gate to the deathless, the, the opening we have that is available every moment. But if you try to find it, you, you can't, you, you can only be it. It's a, imminent act of trusting in just being present whatever that whatever you know the conditions that you're experiencing are not the issue isn't it? that's why they belong <clears throat> so if you're feeling inspired or depressed or whatever then it's not not a matter of trying to get out of depression through seeking and trying to inspire yourself but opening receiving even blessing the conditions that you're that are present in consciousness for you So like in <clears throat> when they, we get the kind of people, let's only talk about Dhamma, you know, the kind of dedicated to only meaningful, serious conversations about Dhamma is the only thing I'm going to, you know, I'm here to just talk Dhamma. And I can't be bothered with frivolous talk or... <clears throat> silliness or anything like that uh, because uh, you know I'm Dhamma is where it's at <laughs> and then, of course Dhamma means Pali scriptures and so uh, you get uh, that the Dhamma is in the Pali canon you know it's in the sutta and it's in the suttas that's the Dhamma in the suttas and if and if anything comes up, doesn't quite fit into the, your definition of Dhamma, then it's not Dhamma anymore. So you, get, you meet people who are dedicated to the scriptures, who, who then are very divisive in how they think. You know, this is Dhamma, that's not Dhamma. And uh, it's, one can get kind of really... Uh, 
you know, it's all up in the, the, the head, really. It's a sanya, sankara experience. <clears throat> then you can become very, um, you know, critical. You can see monks talking about animals or other subjects that are not dhamma. And you feel, you know, one can be feel very averse or upset. Because the, the, the way you hold that word. But Dhamma, then in, ter- what, in terms of the reality of this moment, the way it is, like if I'm holding to a view of Dhamma, as something in the Pali scriptures, I'm not, a, I, maybe I'm not aware of what I, I'm holding to a memory. Sanya Ubadana. So I'm, I'm operating from grasping the five khandhas, talking about letting go of them. <clears throat> well, this is where, you know, when you try to figure this out intellectually, you go, you go bonkers, you know, you can't. This is where one needs to, to let go of that, you know, of, of putting your, your, all your trust in grasping the ideas of Buddhism and, uh, and operating from ideas and memory. Even though it's very good memory, it's all good sanya, you know, um, poly scripture, no way diminishing or depreciating the value of it. But it isn't meant to be grasped, is it? Its purpose is not, is, is to help us to, 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 as a guide, as a way of reflecting rather than as positions to take as concepts to grasp, as doctrines to hold to. So in Buddhist meditation, always, you always feel like the carpet is being pulled from underneath you. You know, you, you find a nice kind of convenient method of practice and then suddenly it's pulled out, the carpet is pulled out and you find yourself falling down, you know, because... The, like these Zen masters were great at it when they're these stories about Zen monks. They, with all their kind of serious, dedicated practice, and then the Zen master would pull the carpet out from under their feet and they'd fall over. And say with with Vedana, <clears throat> pleasure, pain, and neutral feeling. You know, we like like the pleasurable feeling. Is a, a contemplating how much I love. Uh, you know, I really do like to get high, be really happy, and <laughs> inspired, and and. Uh, that's uh, you know that's a very desirable state. Tukavedana. Tukavedana. How can I get rid of it? Neutral. Atukama Tukavedana. Why bother? Nothing. <laughs> so you, you know, you roll breasts on your skin. So what? You know? Nothing. But if, uh, if I could have a robe that really, you know, made my skin tingle with delight <laughs> or a hair shirt you know one that constantly irritates the skin 
And then it would, you know, it would be something to watch. Now, if, if I could find a robe that made my skin tingle with delight, then you could hardly wait to put on your robe. You know, it would just be tingling with delight with the, with the weight enough from your robe touching your skin. Or if you're an old sourpuss type, ascetic, you know, then you, mm, that's dangerous, sensual lust will take over and you will, you know, you'll be drinking whiskey and running around with loose women. No. Hair shirt. You know, get the most uncomfortable kind of garment that just constantly irritates, scratches, and causes distress to your, to your body all the time, just to remind you life is suffering. And that's the other extreme. That, the, that, you know, the real practice is really, you know, facing suffering, making yourself suffer, and learning to endure it. You know, making life as miserable as possible. Because any delight, you know, the, the robe that makes your skin tingle with delight, that, that will lead you out of the robe. You want, you have to want to get, that'll become ordinary. You want more than that. <laughs> and, uh, then the other is, you know, seems more serious, isn't it? Dedicated to being miserable, making life as miserable as you can possibly make it. <clears throat> and then logically the neutral thing seems rather boring, doesn't it? Bland. Atuka matsuka ways in Who cares? What's the point? Blah. And you get into this kind of, <laughs> who cares? <laughs> Which is also, you know, the, uh, if one is, is, uh, clinging to Vedana, that heap of Vedana, then, of course, it, one tends to, to seek that kind of experience. <clears throat> so something, the middle way, uh, is a kind of bland, just becoming a, a bland kind of tasteless porridge experience. No salt, no sugar. And it's not bitter and it's not, you know, horrible tasting, but it's just bland. No flavor. And then that's, that's, the, that's the way we should live, just bland. So the sound of silence becomes I mean, we're just supposed to sink into this sound, bland sound of silence and just kind of, that's it? You know, is that Nibbana? It's becoming kind of totally neutral. Well, I mean, logically, I mean, when you think about it, it's, it, uh, you know, these are the, these are the, what you come up with, you know, that if you're still attached to figuring out Dhamma on that level, then it, you know, at least the, the, the robe that makes your skin tingle with delight, that's certainly, you know, if you're going to, you know, live, you might as well be delighted with life. Why not? Joyful, love, rejoice. Celebrate life. It's you know that's is why not? Why why sink into the doldrums of asceticism and self-torture, or just ride on a kind of mediocre blandness as the as the way out of suffering? Because all of them are you know, if attached to, are suffering. So it's, that's not the way, is it, to, to attach to, to the idea of, uh, of getting inspired high joy and, and all this as, a, as an attachment, as an ideal that one should try to aim for. Or the, 
not to mention the the ascetic practices or the or just the idea of just bland indifference. So then what's the way out? This is where this awake to me the awakeness this it's it, it's not bland. It's alive. But it's not high low. It seems to be and it, I couldn't say it's neutral either. It's not a tuka matsuka vedana. But this you you know you you only know for yourself. With the words, I can point to tuka vedana, tuka vedana, tuka matsuka vedana. <laughs> Talk about that, and uh, and that's uh, that's the limit limitation of language. But I'm pointing not to that, not to that as some kind of thing you should attain or achieve, but to trust in this open attention, receptivity. Not, not, and then that will also reflect your own tendency to want to attain it. You know, when I say, then you grasp my words, then you try to attain what you think I've said. That's not it. This is where you need the Zen master with the stick, you know, the brick to fall on your head or something. Or the door slamming, like in my third lesson in meditation of Wat Mahata. The door slamming. I went into this state of bliss. this this um, then the, the, the say the retreat the practice the life here what are you here for to attain enlightenment you know question this what what are you what, why do you want to be here what is your aim to get rid of defilements, uh, to uh, attain nibbana, or or do you think you just have to make yourself totally neutral, kind of kind of a a bland nobody? <clears throat> Remember, we used to idealize the in the early days. In, the Western monk used to idealize the kind of humble monk, you know, not the big ajahn sat on the high seat, but the humble monk that just did the chores, went on the bindabad, lived the life, and you know, very humble, not not anybody important. And we, then we try to, you think that's that's my goal to be just a humble monk. I don't want to be an ajahn or any of that, you know, these kind of egotistical positions, become a great Dhamma teacher, a Dzogchen master, (laughs) and uh, just a humble monk, just eating his food and putting on his robe mind, that's the ideal. But that is an ideal too, you know, it's still sanya, isn't it? Sanya, so holding to these ideas, 
and then trying to make ourselves into into the idea. But what we can know is, is that this, if we, you know, this is this is this is what we're doing. This is the way it is, and that's an intuitive ability. It's not an idea. I'm not asking you to to live up to a standard, an ideal, but encouraging this awakenness to to recognize attachment when there is, to know it. The Panchupatana Kanda is like this. The clinging to the three kinds of desires like this. So then it's into the stillness. Where those kind of, where Upadana can be reflected. You know, so trying to get rid of Upadana or clinging is now they're kind of clinging, you see, that's why it just goes around. It's a hopeless task to operate from the ideas, from from concepts as your basis. So when it, when are there no concepts? And this is this is what I've explored most of my monastic life, emptiness. When it, where the thinking mind stops, the foto, the koan, the the doubt, the sound of silence, the thinking mind stops. It's just this. And because that that is where I I wouldn't, you know, be being so cerebral myself, it would just pass over. You know, just the spaces, the space, the emptiness, to always going from one thing to another, and one thought to another, one idea to another. So I recognize that this, this, uh, this, how this conscious experience that we're having right now. You know, it's, it's before you think that we're not thoughts or concepts or conditions. And, and so even your identity with your body is another memory, isn't it? I am, I look like this. I, my face is like this. I am a man. I'm a male. And I'm Ajahn Sumedho. This is, a, this is Sanya operating <clears throat> but awareness isn't isn't sanya So then if, you know, if one is, trust this, then you can be yourself. That's the kind of paradox of it. And you don't become just a bland kind of nothing, nobody, don't feel anything, thought ceases, and you're just like a zombie, really. Somebody comes up and <clears throat> makes a rude gesture. No feeling at all. 
People come and say, bow at my feet, and then, oh, you're the great guru. No feeling whatsoever arises. Total indifference, bland. And then I don't show my teeth anymore. Arahants aren't supposed to show their teeth. Or, from my experience, you know, the more mindful, the more I trust in this awareness, then the more sensitive I am. I'm not, like, desensitizing myself. I'm more sensitive than ever. It's a bit frightening sometimes. (laughs) Sometimes I wish I could go back to being insensitive like I used to be. (laughs) It's rather, you know, a personal emotional reactions is it's a bit frightening to be this sensitive emotionally you know it's a bit scary because the emotions you know so much of the emotional condition was trying to make myself insensitive not not to be hurt by life to protect myself not to be open vulnerable and receptive but to just you know have control and and uh, protect myself from danger So then, uh, you know, you have to develop a level of insensitivity just by suppressing feelings and just just controlling, trying to control everything in my mind and situations, you know, control freak kind of trying to make everything so it, 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 I'm not, I don't feel threatened by it. And then in, uh, in sitting up on the high seat, you know, you're, you know, like you, you all those who had to give evening reflections. Oh, how threatening it is. <clears throat> like being a sitting duck, isn't it? Okay, throw darts at me. <laughs> Any rotten eggs that are coming? <laughs> I mean, you're a perfect target. <laughs> and who's dumb enough to get up here and make yourself <laughs> into a sitting duck to be shot at. So, I mean, it, you know, but that, that's the personality, isn't it? The fear way of standing out, putting yourself in a position that is where you can be hurt or you feel unsafe, unprotected up on, on the high seat. And so that's the that's a emotional conditioning, personal conditioning. But then in the this awareness, then the refuge, which allows things to be what they are. So the more aware, then you can be yourself, rather than trying to make yourself into somebody who who uh, is totally indifferent to everything, doesn't feel anything anymore. So remember, this life leads to, to increasing, you know, the sensitivity of this, of this realm that we're in, the consciousness, and the sensitivity is, is embellished, it's, it's held within this space, within, it's, it's allowed, the, 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 the feeling of life, is 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 to be fully experienced. Whether sukha, tukha, atukha, matsukha, vedana, you know, it's it's allowed. It's to be fully allowed and and accepted for what it is. Because your refuge is in the deathless rather than in the five khandas, which are all death death-bound conditions. Their nature is to cease, to die.